today on Doomed. It is going down in Chile, ladies and gentlemen. On today's episode of Doomed with Matt Binder, analyst and former political campaign strategist Montserrat Nicholas joins the show to break down the ongoing protests in Chile. We're going to talk about how we got here, what this means for the future of neoliberalism. Uh, Me personally, I hope it means uh, that the future is not looking bright for neoliberalism. And uh, how what's happening in Chile might just spark similar protests right here in the U.S. and maybe even elsewhere around the world. And uh, with that, well, before we get into the show, ladies and gentlemen, as always, you could go to patreon.com slash mattbinder and support this show. Uh, subscribe at youtube.com slash mattbinder to the YouTube channel. Uh, if you're watching live on the live stream right now, you're already there. Uh, and with that being said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce, let me pull a, us up here on the feed so you can actually see us, not just hear us. Montserrat Nicholas, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Matt. I thank you for inviting me. Oh, I, I really appreciate you uh, basically having to download the Skype app to do this. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> you know, I, all these years, like, no way, Microsoft, no way. <laughs> right. It's, you know, unfortunately, though, Skype is the perfect tool to do this show. Other than that, though, I don't use Skype, so I definitely, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I feel you, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's fine, it's okay. Now, now so. let's, let's really jump into this because this is, I, I, yeah. think, I think a lot of people are seeing the footage of these protests and yes. they're looking for information and I mean, there are news outlets covering this, but you know, before mm-hmm. we went, li- before I, you know, before we went live here on, on, on YouTube mm-hmm. and, and elsewhere, um, I was mentioning to you how, you know, in, in the U.S. at least, uh, on, even on social media here, what people are talking about in terms of the current protests going on, eh, they talk about the protests in Hong Kong a lot. And I feel like the Chile protests, you know, the videos are getting out there, obviously. I've seen them. People have seen them. They're getting lots of views. But I just don't think there's a discourse surrounding what's going on in Chile like there is in Hong Kong here in the States. And, and, and mm-hmm. before, before we went live, we were talking a little bit about why that may be. And, and I think, you know, I, I, an obvious component to that uh, is that, you know, it's a lot easy, e- easier for uh, the media and uh, political figures here in this country to uh, support what's going on in Hong Kong because China is bad. That's the whole mm-hmm. discourse around China here. Then, you know, what's going on in Chile, which is basically, oh, shit, the political system that we support here in the States and technically installed in Chile is under attack in these protests. So let's not really talk about it so much. That's what I think is going on, at least. <laughs> it could be. I, I think when it comes to the Hong Kong protests, uh, I mean, obviously, you, I think you're right about the Chinese you know, um, stronghold, right, over what's almost like a colony, right? Right. Uh, I mean, uh, Hong Kong is one of the most capitalistic uh, places in the world, right? And so is Chile. And Chile is actually, what you would say, the most privatized country in the world. We, ha- we have privatized 
not we, but under our constitution from 1980, we have prioritized absolutely everything. You name anything that you would think would, could not be prioritized, we have that prioritized, right? And it goes all the way back to this constitution, 1980, um, after the coup in 1973, right? We have a very bloody coup in Chile. Uh, when they Im almost immediately start writing this new constitution, uh, where basically the state, the state becomes subsidiary to the market. So what that means, without being a constitutional lawyer, but it's very easy to read it and understand where the state is uh, and um, what kind of power, what kind of role it should be um, playing in society, is that... Um, the state will only um, uh, can't really compete with the, the private companies, and if it's going to compete in a certain marketplace, then it has to subsidize the private enterprises that operates in that marketplace. For example, education, health, which is the two big ones, right? Wait, so all, all, uh, all. Education in Chile is privatized? There's no like public school system? No, we have a public school system, which is, every, which is one of the reasons why the students are constantly protesting, right? Because it's being diminished, right? Right. I mean, uh, the same sort we of, also I mean, have, hey, welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And there, like, uh, I, mean, the I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about the students, really, but the students constantly, and they're very, very young. Right, and they're constantly being in the forefront and the, the avant-garde of these protests, and they have not stopped for years now. Right, you have a new wave coming up constantly, and they're more and more conscious about economics, macroeconomics. I mean, you hear them talk, and they're 13, 14 years old, and they they know their shit. You know, like there's, you know, they know exactly what's going on and how wrong the constitution is and all the the laws that that um, you know um, that comes out of that. Right. Right. So, so what we have in Chile, I think, um, I mean, some people have said that because we have this constitution from 1980 that was basically installed uh, by fire, by bombing the presidential palace, by um, making at least 3,400 people disappear, uh, over 30,000 people raped, tortured, right, and hundreds of thousands of people exiled in a very small country, because back then we were only like 10 to 11 million people, right? Right. Uh, we do have a wealth. Uh, we, we have enormous copper resources and rare minerals and all that kind of stuff. So we are, in that sense, very powerful, but we are a small country when it comes to population, right? So the, the Constitution, they made a Constitution basically to, uh, to rob the natural resources uh, from the Chilean people. And they did that extremely well, right? And uh, it's been going on. Uh, we have something called basically the democracy uh, came back in 1989, 1990. But really, that was not a real democracy uh, because the constitution was still um, valid, so to speak, right? So um, I don't know, Matt. Um, we could basically say that neoliberalism was the, this is the crowd of neoliberalism and it's going to die there. Um, I see it a little bit in the bigger terms. I do think that um, what they try to do in Chile has a longer history, and one of them is that the Chicago Boys, as we call them, which are 
basically this little model that the Chicago School Milton Friedman and guys um, installed in the late 50s. Right? right, where they little by little start uh, shipping students up to the Chica- uh, to Chicago, and they will ship uh, professors down there to the university, the Catholic university, right? And uh, thinking ahead, thinking that these kids will eventually become big economists and eventually would be in charge of the economy, and uh, will be able to uh, uh, to implement all the monetary ideas that they had back then, right? right? And they actually did. They all became uh, ministers of finance, ministers of labor, um, heads of, uh, of the central bank during the dictatorship, right? And in addition to all the privatization of the state-owned companies that Chile had, they also became extremely uh, wealthy in their own right by buying all these companies for almost nothing, right? And the important Part of this whole fight, actually, it's uh, is the social security. So the social security was in 1980 uh, privatized, completely privatized. Uh, I think it's the only country mm-hmm. in the world that has that, right? Right. So the, that model, right? So that model, supposedly, after 30 years, people would have so much more money because this privatization of the social security would have worked so extremely well, right? And that is exactly now. And people living on um, more or less um, $150 a month. That's the after 30 years of working, right? Uh, you know, so I joked. I joked, before, I joked before about what? the public education thing. You know, here in this country, you know, they're, they're trying yes. to, to destroy public ed- Republicans and trying to destroy public education, privatize yes. everything. And I joked about joining the club. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately for us, and unfortunately for Chile. Uh, we're not in the privatization of Social Security Club yet. 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 Republicans have tried it. <laughs> and they're going to keep trying and you it, know I'm what? sure. And, but... they're, they're, and the guy, this is the crazy thing, because the guy, the guy that actually made this happen in Chile in 1980, his name is Jose Piñera. Jose Piñera is the brother of the current president, right? Ah. And Jose Piñera had made this little cottage industry out of the Cato Institute and the Heritage Foundation in Washington, D.C., right? Where he basically travels all over the world telling everybody how wonderful this model that he came up with in Chile. The problem is that it's falling apart, right? Because the money is now going back to the people that, you know, the, the pen, um, what's, what's the name for it? When people that get pension, oh, you know? Oh, right, right, right. Instead of, pension, instead right, of right. that, it's, yeah, it's basically being paid out and being kept by the the funds that are managing uh, all this money, an enormous amount of money, enormous amount of money. So, so, so it's very interesting, right? Uh, today we have this president. Uh, he's a businessman. He's in, uh, in his own right. Oh, uh, we are still the in the same club. <laughs> yes, we are. No, but that's the thing. Like, so United States, uh, like uh, the Republicans and some Democrats, I always looked at Chile and they say like, hey, uh, let's see how this model is working. This like hyper neoliberal model right um and it's clearly not working so the fight the fight that's going on in 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 chile i would say it's actually the fight for the soul of capitalism and the fight of the soul what of what we want to call neoliberalism which is hardcore capitalism right? right um so it's the fight for that right, right. and and it's so much bigger than our country you know like uh, right. 
why uh, I can tell you this. Um, so many people always said to me when I explained to them, I'm from Chile and the situation in Chile is yes, the most privatized country, blah, blah, all that, right? And people say, um, even our neighbors, you know, in teens, Peruvian, Bolivians, you name it, right? And say, how come the Chilean people has not protested before? We have protested, right? But now it's getting to a point where, like, you can't take it anymore, right? right? The kids that are on the street today see their grandparents, their great-grandparents living on 150 bucks. And now this is an important fact. Santiago, that has around 6 million people, right, is as expensive as New York. Oh, wow. Yes, exactly, right? right? So it's almost impossible. You can't live. You right. can't live. You have to constantly live on credit, right? As someone who lives in oh, New York, I, mean, I can agree that you cannot live on. <laughs> it's no, crazy. there are crazy. square feet. Yes. I did the math, and the square feet of certain apartments in Santiago, the more expensive the Upper East Side. That's that's. Cr so we're talking more like San Francisco prices. Yes, of course, <laughs> Oakland. I don't know, but except it's, it's except except Facebook expensive. and uh, all the other tech companies having a. Uh, aren't the reason for it by buying up all the you know taking over all the <laughs> land in san francisco no, no. that's not happening in santiago <laughs> no no i don't know i think there was google that like uh, decided to Very, put in a big uh, mm, in santiago now so but anyways i mean it's a, we have an enormous amount of money and the money is not trickling down so what do you have you have everybody on the street right and what what is interesting here is also that uh, the protests, um, the protests are not only uh, young kids, right? It's the whole family. It's the grandparents, it's the parents, it's the youngest sister. They're all out there, right? Or if they can go, if they can't go, then they support it, right? And you also have a middle class that's extremely empowered by all this, right? Uh, because they have to pay for schools, they have to pay for healthcare, um, they, you also have an like an you're starting to see an upper middle class support for this, right? right? And that today, for example, the protests moved all the way uptown. Yeah, I mean, what they call rioting and everything in Santiago, for example, has been more in downtown because that's a big area where people normally go to celebrate. Uh, uh, soccer games, and we will win. <laughs> we want right. to win a lot of World Cups and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so you have more problems there, right? But those problems are mostly, and I would say almost 100%, provoked by our militarized police. So if you look at photos, you can see it. we don't have police like NYPD. We have militarized police. Oh. It's in between the military, yes. The NYPD uh, they, could get quite militarized, but I, I know what you're talking about. I've seen the photos. They yeah, they completely decked out. and uh, They don't, look the, like, they don't the even use, look like riot police. They look more like straight up like war zone military. It's, yeah. Yeah, and, and now uh, because we know how many tear gas canisters to buy, right? And they constantly buy more. Now we, we know they're using around 1,000, 2,000 at least tear gas in Santiago a day. And that's only Santiago. You have all the regions, you have the same problem. People are protesting 
uh, like very peacefully, right? Uh, because you go with your kid, so you don't, you're not going to start a freaking riot, right? right. And immediately you got tear gas, you get abused, etc. If you want numbers, it's uh, they just came out and at least five thousand detained, five thousand people, right? And uh, of those, at least ten percent are underaged, right? Right. Fifteen percent, at least one. This is, this is, I mean, this is a ma- this is this is a massive like you know the the, the generational it crosses generations, but it seems like it's sort of like a youth led movement. Yes, yes, I would say so. Yeah, absolutely. And and the and in addition, now they learned new uh, new tactics. Uh, just a few years ago, uh, they sent all the the higher end officers to Israel to learn how to, I guess, repress better. And they came back, and now they're shooting their tear gas canisters directly, directly to, in your face. Right. So you have uh, an enormous amount. I mean, I'm not joking. It's uh, by, only by tear gas that lost their eyesight, 35 people. Of those, at least three kids. I'm talking about kids that are under 12 years old. They lost eyes, right? Uh, they're using a special kind of bullets now, uh, what you would call like, uh, what was it, a pellets, right? Uh, the la- made out of lead. Jeez. So they right. don't explode inside of your body. They just make the perforate, and they're like this big. You can see you can see the photos. You know, people have been injured. I, I have seen that um, people in in protesters in Chile are speaking of the Hong Kong protests earlier. You know, solidarity there between the protesters being that it seems like. They've adopted some of the tactics, for example, the way to put out the, uh, the, uh, the tear gas canisters. I've seen video <laughs> of, you know, the, the Chile protesters picking up the canisters, dropping it in the water bottle like, like the people in uh, the protesters in Hong Kong have been doing. So it's really interesting to watch just basically how the tactics are being shared and, and you know, just by watching them go on. Yeah, I mean, we wish we wish we had access to all this really fancy gear that they have in Hong Kong. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're very stylish in Hong Kong. <laughs> and Chile is very expensive. And I, I mean, a good um, a good gas mask against this tear gas. I mean, t- talk about tear gas. Only Santiago. The tear gassing every single day, right? So now I, I just came back. I spent a week there, right? Uh, you you walk around in Santiago, even far away from all the the trouble, so to speak, right? And and you it's everywhere in the air, because this kind of tear gas is actually a powder, a very very nice, but like almost white, right? Right. And that powder sticks around. It sticks to your body. It sticks to your uh, to your clothing, to your hair, right? Um, the tear gas they're using now, uh, you. It's unbelievable because the, the shoot it explodes, right? And you, you can't walk into it. It's like a wall. And you, and you take the first, you inhale, right? And you get it inside of your body. And it would be okay. I mean, think about tear gas like that is to disperse uh, protests, right? Protesters. So you will be, uh, you know, you can walk away and then you're sneezing a little bit. You'll be fine. This is not the case. This sticks inside of your body for days. In your lungs, it gives you headaches. Uh, you might throw up for days, right. right? And an added bonus is that your speech gets slurry. You don't you don't notice it, but your speech gets slurry for days afterwards. Hmm. I mean, uh, it's um, 
And if you continue doing this to the population, right, uh, these are guys that this government has not, has not, I mean, they have tear gas kids inside of the schools, inside of the metro system. Can you imagine a tear gas inside of the New York subway? You'd have huh? the, the the station would evacuate. It'd be impossible to. There's nowhere for it to go. I mean, it's just yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, and, to... <laughs> and, and, and people get and people get extremely scared and they start running, right? Right. And there, of course, I mean the the, the Santiago Metro is as populated as uh, as the subway system in New York. So you have t- millions of people that go through go through it every day, every day, right? Now, let me ask you, actually, because I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here. I want to sort of, I guess, get get a timeline here. So when did, you know, what was the what was the the critical moment that sort of sparked these actions? Like there was a moment where, you know, the the people took to the streets or in this case, it seems like the subways. The subways took to the subways. What was what 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 sparked the actual, you know, Obviously, this has been building like you get you give us a, a really great background of how this was building. And, you know, it was mm-hmm. obviously leading to this moment. But what was, you know, what what happened when, you know, what made people at this point just say enough is enough? What sparked it? Well, so you you had uh, the students. This is important. You saw the students, right? We will see the students, um, um, the public school kids, right? Um fighting uh, to get a better public education, uh, a free, better public education, uh, maybe to get rid of the director of the school, right? Uh, And they would take, they would do the sit-ins, right? And the repression from the police would get worse and worse to a certain level where you would see them actually beat them up as they would walk into the school. They would throw tear gas inside of the school. They came up with a law, which is called uh, the Control Your Identity Law, right? Which meant that they can actually check for your, um, for your ID uh, if you're under 16 years old. And stuff like that. It's just control, control, control. And basically standing outside of the schools and beating the kids up, right? Which, of course, provoked... And a reaction, right? Right. The kids would not take that, right? And the parents got involved, and they got beaten up, right? And the government basically thought it was okay because they were protesting. They were not going to school. They're not doing the right thing that they should be doing, obedient, right? So this was going on, right? Right. When the government thought it would be a great idea to hike up the fare. Now... The metro system in Santiago um, serves millions of people, right? And it's a way uh, for uh, people that work, that live far away from their workplace, uh, to commute, right? This means that just a small uh, fare hike meant that their families, they're already poor, right? We get less money, right? We spend more money on, on trips and that kind of stuff. So the kids... You have to add all these things. They, they stop jumping the turnstiles. And by doing that, the government thought it would be a good idea to go into the mattresses, inside of the metro, and start beating up the kids, throwing tear gas, and all that kind of stuff. And immediately after that, to declare uh, a state of emergency. 
that in Chile we use that state of emergency when we have our, our we have plenty of earthquakes, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All that kind of stuff, right? Uh, so, so they used that, and then um, they installed immediately a curfew. A curfew that would stay, start at eight o'clock. You know, it would end at seven, eight o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's it's insane. It's insane. This is medieval, right? Um, so what sparked it was the fact that the kids are jumping the turnstiles, the cops go in there, this militarized police that we have, right? They go in there, start beating, 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 grabbing everything they could get hand on. And it, I mean, imagine you have thousands of people inside of the system, you know, and they might not have anything to do with this or might support this, but doesn't really matter. Repression was brutal, right? And... And this obviously shuts down the whole metro system. So hundreds and hundreds of people, they've been outside, just, just going to, to the metro to take the metro. Suddenly you have hundreds of people that start talking, obviously, and they get pissed, right? Right. So no. I, think, I think it was just too much when you used to have. It's like in being in an abusive relationship, right? You had too much. If you can, if, if you get to help in your community, you can get out of it, right? Right, right. Now, I don't know, something like that. No, but you you mentioned you mentioned you know the state of emergency, and, and this is this when uh, President uh, uh, Pinera basically uh, he said uh, when declaring yeah. the state of emergency that we are at war. I mean, is this what you're we talking about? We are at war, right? I guess very organized groups, and everybody was, "Who are you talking about?" Now, why did he say that? Now we understand why he's saying that because the state of emergency is in the law that was written in the dictatorship, right? In the law, it says they has to come up with a certain uh, uh, argument for it, you know? You have to justify it, right? Right. So he declared so he, war he on, just, on his, own, his own people, pretty much, because that's what they, I mean... Basically, the, all these groups, they were burning down the metro, and now this is interesting. So Santiago, like New York, you know, many other cities in the world, they have this whole system, you know, with cameras everywhere, right? Very fancy. So you had actually at least eight stations that were burned down within the lapse of one hour, right? And we can't find the footage of it anywhere. It's gone, right? So supposedly the, the, the origin for the state of emergency and the curfew and this amazing control over the, over the, over the country, right? has its origin in the people, some groups, right, well-organized groups, went around burning down stations. And stations are made actually out of stainless steel. They're actually made not to burn because of, because of uh, the risks, you know, to have so many people inside in tunnels, right? Right. And they're burned, yeah. So we still have, they still don't, they find some, one person apparently, but that's it. But you, one person that can't burn eight stations, right? Right. <laughs> but that's the audience. We maybe the know. flash. But, <laughs> yeah, and it's this whole, this whole other thing that's very interesting is that, speaking of the United States, so, so this apparent organ. oh, well, you know what? In between the burning of, of, of the stations, right, and, the, the, and when he declared a state of emergency, Pineda went to have some pizza, very expensive pizza. Pizza cost 26 
dollars. A slice? He thought he had the time to just go uptown <laughs> to have his pizza, you know? And he <laughs> and since everybody has a has a has a phone to take photos and to take videos and it was all over the um uh, social media, all that kind now, kind of things. So about the US I'm assuming that you know Pinera. I want to stay on him for a little bit. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming his sort of. He's know, on the Forbes list, by the way. You know uh, that, right? Ah, I did not. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, you, his you family is extremely wealthy. Yeah, you mentioned his his brother earlier, so I'm assuming they, uh, you know, I'm assuming they got a nice little. No, they uh, don't come from money. No, no. They uh, he um, used did really good. Um, they got some. They got a nice racket going on somewhere somehow. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no. He he basically he stole his boss's idea for the monopoly of that. You know this um, the little machine where you, you use your credit card when you yeah. pay at the store. The ATM. So yeah. he has he no no like when you pay at the store not not ATM. Oh, like the credit you know, card the processing mach machine, right, 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 right. Yeah, right, right, that right, right. one exactly. He has basically the monopoly. For that and chill. That's how he started his business. Oh, you know, so like, pretty much everyone who also... uses a credit card pays him a fee. Yeah. <clears throat> ah, oh, what a. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> so we, um... and he was actually in the seventies. He uh, a little bit later, I think. Uh, he uh, he was in charge of a bank and he basically stole everything from the bank and ah. and yeah, but it was a good thing to have a minister as a brother, right? Right. During the dictatorship. Now, what, so what, how does he portray himself politically, though? Like, I'm a, he, he's like, what, is he some sort of like centric center from what I was reading? Uh, I could be wrong, though. He, he sort of is in like a center, like Democratic type party, like a centrist type, like not he's not a right winger, like in terms of how he's portrayed. Right. Well, he tries to he tries to portray himself a little bit of centrist Christian Democrat, you know, right wing in the economics. You know, the state should be a little bit smaller. Uh, very, uh, he's very into this whole entrepreneurial thing. Everybody can be an entrepreneur and just work yourself out of it. Um, so he really is the, the, the perfect like uh, figure when you hear the word neoliberal. That's like you could put him in the dictionary next to the word neoliberal. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He actually has, uh, he got a PhD uh, in economics at Harvard. When his older brother, this same guy I was talking about, Jose Piñera, was one of the uh, uh, was a assistant professor or something like that. So I always thought, and I read his uh, his dissertation, and it's about the economics of education. Ah. And I'm 100% sure he didn't write it. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he didn't write it. There's you know, an Argentine these... economist, economist that wrote it, I think. But anyways, all so these... that's all... what he did. And then he stole money from the bank and, you know, and... So yeah, center. So so the thing is that in Chile, the center is so far right. Well, that's how it is here too, right? Right. It is. It is sort of amazing to me because you know compared I, to I, Europe, for example. I think I th yes, and I think some mm -hmm. people think of South America or did at, at you know, maybe just a few years ago even, and thought like you know you look at Ecuador, you look at Bolivia, and you know a lot of yes. these countries they they are sort of like you know more left wing. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe people thought that was something, you know, but of course there's comp uh, countries like Colombia that thanks to the United States were, were, were not in that group. And I guess, you know, Chile is part of that too, but I think people have woken yeah. up to this notion that South America is some sort of leftist paradise, especially after uh, 
Bolsonaro and what's going on in uh, Brazil, especially, I feel like. Um, but, you know, do you think, you know, looking at Bolsonaro in, in Brazil, do you think sort of like, you know, and Trump here in the United States, do you think what's going on in Chile now and how Pinera has responded to it, do you think that his whole facade of being some sort of like centrist, neoliberal type that's, you know, the good centrist, I guess, uh, you mm-hmm. know, do you think that facade is sort of dead now, just like how, you know, the idea that there's a such thing as a compassionate conservative died with the Trumps and the Bolsonaro's? Oh, yeah, because he, no, yeah, yeah, because he showed his fascist streak very, very fast. Right. And this is interesting because, because um, he, he tried very, very, this is the second time Chile elects him. The second time. I mean, it's insane. It's like, what's, it's like when Bush Jr., you know, like right. we elected twice. We, he no he lied and everybody day. just went and voted for him again. It was like, oh, my God. But, oh, wow. Quick, quick question. Though. A did, problem did, there in Florida. But did, Pine- did Pinero win, actually win the first time? Because Bush didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Exactly. I was thinking about that. I was like, wait a second. He actually did. He actually did. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, but me, he he immediately from being this a little bit Christian Democrat light, uh, very pro business and investment, and we, we he's a pathological liar. He lies. Um, I mean, he gave the only interview he gave now on Sunday. He doesn't give interviews to the press or anything like that. Was to BBC for some random reason, and uh, he basically says all kinds of things like. Uh, uh, when asked about uh, if um, what he thinks about the protests and everything, and he was like, "But I have protested too," and people was like, "Well, you're protesting against yourself, you idiot. You don't think you can do that, right?" But I do think, I do think, Matt, that um, that it's it's good that he shows his true colors. Unfortunately, over twenty. 20- Hello. Uh oh, I think. Hello, you, Matt. You, uh, you froze. Did I lose you? Yeah, um, let's just let's start where um, you were, let's start where you left off, where you were talking about um, how he was called out for being a, a liar. Which I gotta say, as as an American, I cannot believe the Chilean people would elect a habitual liar. What were they thinking? <laughs> Who would do such a thing? Who would do such a thing? But I think that you have to understand that since that, and, and I put in this in quote marks, and I hate to think that, but. Uh, since the return of democracy, we didn't change the constitution. So the whole thing was basically administration of the model, right? We had had Christian Democrats, uh, socialists, you know, social Democrats kind of thing in between. And then you had Piñera and then you had a socialist in just a name. And then you had Piñera again. So basically, um, what you see, it's the... People, I think that last time people just didn't go and vote, first and foremost. Very few people voted. We had super low participation, terrible. Uh, but also you had a voter rejection. You, could have, you, you can see that in the different presidential elections, right? There's a certain vote that goes, that basically happened here with Trump. Very, very similar, right? The people are poor without work or whatever, you know, like they just like, fuck you, you know, take this. And because there's not a big difference between the two of you, right? Right. And yeah, uh, well, you, 
well, you can say whatever about that. <laughs> but so, how, but, but, how, hmm. how complicit is? I mean, obviously, he's very. I mean, you you explained earlier all the all the ways in which he, he's you know he, he's done. He's you know he's Pinera himself has brought about these protests. But just you know, how complicit is he in terms of? I guess the sort of uh, the, the the security state in terms of you know. Mm-hmm. The, the I mean the the schools like you know what, what was I mean this this came from his presidency this wasn't something that was that came from previous uh, regimes correct like this was something from well him. we had had I mean the 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 Chilean state is extremely repressive state right we first and foremost we used to like the governments used the, the militarized police as their you know basic attack dogs right in the south for example for years the Mapuche people has has been attacked. Every single day, you know, it's 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 terrible, and they're, they're attacked in 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 their homes, uh, on their on the farms, um, in the small towns, right? Uh, basically, uh, it's I mean, it's uh, they've been under a state of siege, so to speak, you know, for years, right? And that has not really changed, depending on the government, right? It might be a little bit less when you have a center-left government, right? Right. But it's still there. It never goes away. And the interesting part is that since this started more or less the 18th, on the 18th of October, right? Down south, there has not been this new truck uh, being burned, which is normal because the forestry is enormous, highly intensive down there in, in the south of Chile. Uh, there's no problems down there. Why? Because they brought up all the all the police up to Santiago, right? Um, I'm not saying that they left the Mapuches alone. I'm just saying there's less down there. And we actually had something really terrible that happened last year, which was with uh, Catriyanka. He got shot. He got shot point blank. I think there were 23 of them cops there um, when he was driving his tractor. Jeez. And they said that that he had tried to uh, do some terrorist act. He, he's a Mapuche. Mm-hmm. Was a Mapuche, I'm sorry. Um, and he got shot. And people found out really fast through social media. And because of that, it, he was not just another Mapuche that was dead down south. He actually had a name. He was actually a person. We found out that, suppose it was a hot pursuit on a tractor, you know how fast, old tractor, an old tractor, right? He was on the tractor with, his, uh, with a family member that was 15 years old. And that, and that kid was not shot, but like not killed, uh, but could, was still an eyewitness to what happened. And I think that also um, basically also was one of the parts that like, these guys are getting away. This is under Piñera, by the right, way. Right, right. And they got away with it because someone gives the order to go and kill someone, right? And they got away with it. And the Minister of Interior in Chile is in charge of the of the militarized the police. Yeah. No, I had seen so. you. I had seen you tweet out. Uh, I think maybe yesterday or the day before. Uh, oh my God! Yes. Some, some, well, in general, <laughs> I've seen you tweet a lot of it. Right. Uh, you're on the ground yeah. covering this. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, but specifically, a tweet I saw from you. About, I, I think you actually accompanied it with a photo of uh, something about right-wing militias working with the... Uh, oh, the, my God, yes. The, the, so we have our Nazis. 
we and, have no this is this is now this is the this is where this is where you know all this stuff fits into this podcast but now we're Minute about man. to get now we're going to get into really what we talk about on this podcast a lot what is the right the far right the fascists the nazis uh chile's so got we them. actually have nazis right no, no, it doesn't wait. surprise stop, me stop, at all stop, stop. So, you know, back when the, the escape of the Nazis, down to Argentina, Brazil, right? We Some got trickle down to Chile, too? too. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> yes, they changed their names, changed their birth certificates, you know, all that kind of stuff. And these guys actually were untouched, right? And they have kids. Right. And those kids today are running around. I'm not going to mention his freaking name because we have this whole deal that we're not going to say his name. Uh, in Chile, but there's a family, um, and um, he's a full-on Nazi because obviously he was raised in that world, right? So now you have, um, I mean, and also it was very important in a dictatorship, right? Down south, there's something called Colonia Dignidad, which was this kind of sect, German sect, and you should check it out because it's pretty scary stuff. Uh, where basically we take the locals, the, the poor peasants, etc., and the and the kids, and they will bring it into this uh, uh, sect, sort of a ghetto, right? And they could not leave, and they were, they were also kept as torture centers, you know, um, against uh, the opposition of the dictatorship, right? right. These are the same people, right? Uh, now you have. You have how what, orga- how organized are, are are these 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 groups in in Chile? Well, the, you still have you still have the old military intelligence agency people. They're still around. Very few people in jail because of the abuse during the dictatorship, right? right. So they're still around. They're getting older, but they're still around, right? Those guys are a little. Those guys know what they're doing, right? And then you have enthusiasts which is the photo I tweeted out on the beach resort, Reñaca, which are basically concerned citizens. Uh, they're going to they get very, very scared, and they're going to defend their property against the anarchists and hordes of communists. They're going to come and take their stuff away from them. There's not one single house that's been uh, looted in all of Chile. Right. You have to see what's being looted and with what help, right? Do right. certain supermarkets have been looted? Yes, some of them now we know where the police helped the looters. Looters? <laughs> Do you say that? Right. Right. Um, but the, the whole, this whole paranoia, you know, like it's um, it's kind of sad. Now th- actually, I, these these but right, they can be very dangerous, you know. Oh, absolutely. These because part, the, oh no, continue. I'm sorry. Because they, they, they can uh, carry arms. We're, we're not, uh, not, not like in the States, you walk around with your, like, people can have guns and all that kind of stuff. In Chile, it's a little bit harder to get your gun, but you can get it, right? Right. Uh, How popular so is the, I'm assuming, I know, I know in, the U- in the U.S., you know, the far right loves their helicopter memes. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. how, how, I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> over there, they're really popular. I mean... <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't think it gets any I more popular. I'm really sorry for it because they're losing the, the, you know, this army of fake accounts everywhere, right? Uh, mm-hmm. After a while, you start, you, like, I get a lot of my fair share. I've been on Twitter since 2007, so I've seen everything, you know? Um, These guys, they're, like, few they're on the younger side, and you can tell because how they write. You start recognizing 
you start recognizing the way they write, basically the language to use, your words, and all that kind of stuff. Is there is, uh, is there is losing is there, losing it? <laughs> is, is there a, is there a, a like a movement? Though? Is there like a, a political party there? I mean, obviously we talked about Piñera, and he might as well be, well, you know, uh, far oh, right. Oh, Piñera! No, Piñera, Piñera has in his government people from the dictatorship. Mm. So the dictatorship went into this whole. We are all Democrats when the democracy arrived, and and they they built their own party and it's called UDI, U-D-I, right? And you have the more liberal area, uh, which is Renovación Nacional, which is supposedly the, the party that um, Piñera belongs to. And they co-govern the country. Ah, wow. So, so they, they pretty... did buy the state-owned companies for almost nothing when they did a whole privatization during dictatorship, right? Number one. And then they continue, you know? So they, they're fighting. They actually... Piñera has to do what he's doing. He has to defend this model. Because it's not only he, you know, and his buddies, you know, it's this whole group of people that are extremely wealthy and they put all the money abroad and they, they like it like that. They don't, want, they don't want to share anything. Right. So they can't, yeah, so they have to defend it. I mean, they yeah. have to repress. Now, obviously, we we talked about it, you know, the 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 relationship with the United States, you know, throughout Chile's history. Obviously, it's why Chile mm-hmm. is where where it is right now. Um, I mean, the, like you mentioned, the dictatorship it didn't it just come out of thin air. Uh, the United, United States helped <laughs> a little bit there. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, just a, just a tad, just a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean. You know that the U.S. taxpayers paid for the Chicago boys in the late, from the late 50s, right? Right. right. So, Everything was paid for, taxpayer money, right. U.S. taxpayer money. And it just went on and on, right? right. I mean, I like, I'm sorry, we're, I interrupted you. We're, no, we're very generous people. Our taxpayer money goes to help out you know, all of the, the, world, the world's greatest. The, yeah. the Israeli government, Saudi Arabia. You know, we really, uh, we spread the wealth to all the right places. You guys are so screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give up the green book. Okay, so you were saying? So, you know, uh, what was I saying? Okay, oh yeah, okay. The U.S. So, you know, the 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 U.N. Climate Change Conference was supposed to be in Chile and it got moved because Call of the protests. 25, yes. Right. And, you know, Trump and Pompeo, Secretary of State Pompeo, they both came out, you know, and they said it's sort of almost, I mean, I read it as sort of backhandedly, but maybe they, they weren't sort of how, you know, oh, we think Chile could handle the situation. I have no idea what they really were trying to oh, yeah. get across. Yeah. But, uh-huh. but so, I mean, we know the history with, with the U.S. and Chile, but just yeah. how, how much does what the U.S., says and the actions the u.s takes how much do we still interfere basically i guess i'm saying <laughs> with what's going on in chile well i think that uh, i'm trying to find the exact quote here i wrote it down actually for you because i thought you might be interested in it. but <laughs> i can find it now it doesn't matter um so you know because of venezuela right uh so they've been at it with venezuela for a while right this is important because the um, assistant secretary for we- uh, Western Hemisphere Affairs, right, with the U.S., the State Department, came out and said a few days after this whole thing started, right, 
at the local TV channel, which is the CNN in Chile, um, saying that they had proof, proof that Venezuelan and Cuban interests were behind this, and perhaps even Russian. Mm. Now, we're proud people in Chile. We don't take that lightly. You can, you can say that in Ecuador that happened because the Ecuadorian was not fast enough to say, like, stop it, right? But we were used, like, we, it, like, it became a joke immediately, which is also part of our culture to be witty, right? So that didn't really work. And then Trump had to come out and, you know, a little bit, like, let's remember what we talked about Venezuela, right? They're right behind that and what he's actually said. So how, if you ask me, like, the fact that Trump didn't come out and say, like, hey, can you fix this and fix this good and fast? Yeah. Uh, instead of that, like, uh, no, no, Piñera is going to handle this. He's a good person, you know, I know him or something like that. Uh, basically means that, that Piñera can continue doing something. Now, I think the power the United States would have with a good government would be that to basically start pressuring, like maybe you shouldn't be so repressive, you know, try to fix this. This is not good for business. It's clearly not good for business, right? So, right. I mean, but that, that they tried, they definitely tried. Absolutely, yeah. And we actually had, which was really interesting, but right during the days, right before the turnstile incident, let's call it that, and the state of emergency and the curfew, the very next day, the USS Wasp left Valparaiso, our port. USS Wasp is um, amphibious, whatever is it called? Amphibious, um, it's a ship, right. you know, in the fleet. I totally forgot all those name, numbers now. But um, it was there How in Valparaiso. Has... And they overstayed its welcome for four days. Because, you know, when a ship comes in, they have to say, like, hey, we come in peace, we right. love you all, and we're doing all these things, right? And we're going to stay this many days, and we're going to need this much, you know? Well, you tell the port that. And they actually was supposed to stay until Thursday, and they left on a Sunday. Right. I, I actually, I'm, I'm thinking, I, I love the idea you just mentioned. I love the idea that Russia and Venezuela are somehow behind these protests. Because, I mean... If there's anything that, that tells you... But Putin, you know, Putin came out and said we had nothing to do with that. What are you talking about? These I, are really angry Chileans. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, though, wel welcome to the current discourse in the United States. I mean, everything... But to, to imagine, people, imagine if we're, let, let's go crazy here. Let's go conspiracy crazy here. Just imagine if we had worked. That people would have said, oh, wait a second... This burning of the metro stations is for like Vene crazy Venezuelan chavistas, etc. Imagine that. Right. Then they would they already managed to peg that in Ecuador, right? Now they have Chile, right? Right. What? And and Brazil was really, really Bolsonaro's government was also like, hey, wait a second. So where's the chavistas? You know, where are these crazy Venezuelans in Chile? We have over 200,000 Venezuelans in Chile, and they all came running from Venezuela. Not, right. They're not Chavistas. They're the opposite. Right. Many of them. Right. Now, I'm generalizing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think 
Maybe they all are. Who knows? I mean, I'm looking at a map I mean, right this now. Piñera, this Piñera was over in Venezuela, between, you know, like uh, trying to, you know, when they were ousting Maduro and they put up this Guaido right. guy on the box and declared him president. He traveled to, to, to the border between Colombia and, and, and Venezuela, used to be there to help out. This is, I mean, that's his need to show himself on the world stage. Right. The Atlantic Council gave him the award of being the environmental star of the year or something like that just a few weeks ago. What what is what is It's been... inexplicable. Right. Right. What what has been, you know, I, what has been the, the 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 media in Chile's role in all this? Like how have they been covering it? I mean, obviously we have people like you who are doing great work on the ground, but I'm assuming you're not uh, the the CNN of, of Chile. You're not. No, the... <laughs> we have a duopoly. We have instead of a monopoly, we have a duopoly in Chile. Two big companies that own everything: the newspapers, the magazines, the radios. You know, blah blah blah. Okay, the TV channels, right? Now, the heads of the TV channels, they may like I think a five or six of them, right? Actually, was summoned by the president. So there would be coordination of what they would say on TV. And you can see it. In the beginning, it was all about losing, losing, losing. It got to a point when you was like, how much shit can you take out from a supermarket? The same supermarket, right? right. To terrorize people. All these crazy, like, uh, vandals all over the country, you know, just burning shit down, right? Right, They did right. that. Basically terrorizing people, right? During the curfew, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine where it is. I, I managed to get down there right after the curfew was over because I can't imagine where it is. Someone tell me I can't go out and you will be detained and you don't know if they're going to beat you up or kill you, you know? Right. So the TV showed that. And then when the, when the president wanted everything to go back to normal, he started showing that, they even start talking about cooking recipes on TV, you know, like <laughs> this kind of stuff, right? So at the same time, you have the press, like the press that's on the ground being brutally attacked by the militarized police. Right. It's, it's, it's state TV, but because it's Chile and everything's <clears throat> privatized, they just don't call it state TV. <laughs> no, it's only one. We only have one channel, TV channel that's state-owned, right? But, th but that, uh, that board... Uh, it's uh, managed by the the current government. Right. So each government put in their people in, and they're supposed to be like super objective, which is not really true. Hmm. But you had a lot of foreign correspondents down there, and they'd be shot at, shot at live. Right? Has, has actually, by a, that that makes me think. Hmm? I'm sorry. Finish your thought. I'm, yeah. but you made me think of something. But please finish. I think like a few days ago, we were up to 17 journalists being hit or injured during the protests by the military police. Has anyone has anyone died in these protests yet? Yeah, over 23 people. What, from from uh, now do we know how some of these people were killed? Was it by just, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh some of them have been like everything from uh um you know, you get Ukrainian bolt up by tear gas canister the you know the tear gas canister we consult it's like this big right, it's, less, right. right? it's extremely hot and if it shoots close if someone shoots at you very, very closely towards your head 
it's probably you, you're probably gonna lose your head there right, right. Um, oh, I remember been... in, in, in this country, in, in, in during Occupy Wall Street in 2011, there was a big incident mm-hmm. where a, uh, a, a, a military veteran, a young military veteran was at the Oakland protests, if I'm remembering correctly, and yeah. he just happened to be wearing a helmet and he got hit in the head with uh, a tear gas canister and he, I remember... He was in the hospital for for I think it might have been months. Like people thought he was gonna. There was no a, the people. People the thought people he was gonna dead. die. Yeah. Yeah, the twenty three at least twenty three people dead. Uh, I don't know how many people are in coma. Coma, right? I don't know. Like like I was telling you before, you know, the people that lost their eyes, not the eyesight, eyes, right. full eye, right? Uh, I mean, and then you just like you can go on and on. Rapes, they're like uh, over. What is this? Uh, let me see. The last numbers came out now tonight. We we have over. Oh, so basically, 177 people have eye traumas, right? They're over oh, more than 75, I think it is. Over 75. Um, uh, I, uh, where wasn't it for it when you oh I totally forgot uh, were you being abused sexually? There were over seventy cases of that. Jeez. Not abused, rapes. Right. right. Uh, there are testimonies of girls, schoolgirls, that happened um, yesterday, I think, where um, they basically took the girls um, out of the school, right, detained, had them get undressed and explicitly told one of them separate your legs so i can see your genitals wait so this is this but is are you this saying is, it in a really nice way here this is mm-hmm. going this is going this isn't even like you, what you're explaining right now this isn't like i mean obviously it's horrific no matter what goes on but we're not even talking about uh the military is uh grabbing people at the protests you just described People just in school, kids in school, being taken out of classrooms, not protesting, and well, and- they are protesting because they did because what's going on is that the the, the school, um, the the head of the school said, we're gonna stop like the class, you're gonna lose your year, basically. There's no more school for you guys. So the sit-ins, this is what happened. So they went in with tear gas and other cats grabbing them. Also the protest. So it's a mix of things, right? Got it, right. Oh, my God. Which doesn't really matter because they're underage children, you know? Like, like oh, you have to set, like, where does the buck stop, right? So, no, it's uh, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal because, I mean, they can do whatever they want and um, there's no responsibility, right? Right. Now, as, you know, as we, we wrap up here, I, I, I you know, there's, there's so much to talk about, but, I, you know, as we wrap up here, I, I think... I, I guess on a on a note that was you know somewhat uh, I, I don't know nice I don't know it was a, a fun <laughs> a, a fun nice a fun thing I saw uh, that I I really enjoyed actually uh, apparently uh, and and you could confirm this is true but from what I've seen online yeah. a a dog that apparently became oh yeah matapacos yes thank you <laughs> yes so apparently there was this dog back in in the 2011 Chile protests, which yeah. seemed to have been, again, student-led, um, that sort of became like a, a rallying figure. This dog would show up at these protests and, like, bark and, and growl at the police. 
Yeah, and he didn't like police. Yeah, <laughs> who does? But <laughs> <laughs> but it, apparently this dog has become like a, a he, sadly the dog has passed a away symbol? before. Yeah, a, a huge symbol. I'm looking at these photos. Let me pull up. Oh, but it, you could see it like at the uh, uh, New York uh, protest. You could see the the stickers. Right. So this is the I'm putting up on the this is the dog Matapaco, yeah, show him. which if you you can share with everybody what what that translates to. Yeah. Please do so. What is Matapaco? Mata, oh, Matapaco. Matapaco means cop killer. <laughs> the cop killer. But the thing is that you have to understand that Chile has an enormous amount of street dogs. Right. Most of them actually have homes, right? And because of how the universities are there, you have on campus you have a ton of street dogs. And they eat with the, the students, you hang, and uh, they get the names, they've been they're taken care of by the students, etc. So it's, it's a nice symbiosis in between, like, with them, right? And at all the protests, you always see the dogs. The dogs are always there. They just, yeah. It's, um, so Matapakos, yeah, he, uh, he did have a home, uh, but he was, um, he was, he was the married to the dog. street. Right. Yeah, he was the people's dog. So he would go and you see a ton of those dogs, you know. They go around uh, the neighborhoods, you know, downtown, etc. And they're fed at home once a day. And that's it. If they are fed, you know. Right. Uh, but that was the Matapaco, yeah. Um, he's there... a beloved figure because he symbolizes so many things, you know. Right. Well... What I guess, you know, another thing that we discussed it really early on, but another thing to bring up, one of the, the photos that went viral from these protests is that yeah. young woman holding that sign that says neoliberalism, you know, was born in Chile and it will die in Chile. And that yeah. was another big, you know, sort of viral rallying cry for, for the protests. Mm -hmm. how, how much has, I guess, uh, you know, the, the, to wrap up here, I guess, a, a good thing to, to close on as we talk uh, over yeah. over skype and as our youtube live stream cut out and tried to stop us from continuing this conversation <laughs> how much Bad has, people <laughs> right but how much i guess has has technology played a role in all this i mean obviously a lot it's it's a at this point it's a dumb question to ask how much i guess the the real question is how exactly has it been utilized that i guess well, is so be, because you have you have such a close close uh, media landscape in, in Chile, right? You see, you, you get your news from only two companies, basically, right. a very few TV stations, right? Uh, the thirst for information beyond that is enormously big, right? So you have a lot of community uh, radios that have become extremely big uh, because they're doing online and being a little bit more savvy with it. Uh, you have a lot of uh, what well, people normally get a lot of their information through WhatsApp, which I find very interesting. Uh, you also have Twitter. When Twitter started off, uh, Chile was always the, the main country, it had an enormous amount, like per capita compared, Chile always had, was in the lead, right? right? So Twitter was from the very beginning something that was uh, incorporated into getting information and all that in, in, in Chile. So in that way, good, you know, like we can get it. Like Facebook also used enormously. Um, it's been very important, I think, because we're getting not only these this pro protest, but in the last years, we're getting information out really, really fast. And uh, so, so 
which is um, in, in a stark contradiction with the official news outlets. Right. right. Two companies there. And, and to, to end here, I, I want to bring up, you know, how, you know, last week there was a protest here in the United States, here, right here in New York City, uh, where yes. it, it was in protest of there's this, you know, obviously the, the security state is, is, is everywhere. And here in, the, in, in New York City, basically mm-hmm. there's been a real crackdown on people who try to beat the subway fares, you know, people who jump mm-hmm. to turnstiles. Uh, there's this photo of, of literally security cameras being put in above each and every, every turnstile. <laughs> Never have I seen anything Not like necessary. it. It's like, you know, I don't know if they realize this. You could get one camera with like a fisheye lens and you got everything. I mean, you don't need an actual one camera for but each. I, I saw that. Now, I, I, now, thought, I thought someone must have saw, like, some, I don't know if it's the governor or is it the mayor. Now here, But now, someone must be a family friend of those. What? Now, here's the interesting <laughs> thing that, about the MTA here in, 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 in New York City. Yeah. You would assume that this, the New York City subway system, uh, the, the, you know, the world famous New York City subway system would be controlled by the city, right? No. Yeah. The uh, governor, uh-uh. the s- governor of the entire state controls the subway system, mm-hmm. meaning he controls the budget, which means the mayor, who probably knows more about the subway than the governor, has really no say over how the subway system is taken care of. Incredible, isn't it? It's the most ridiculous, ludicrous thing you've ever heard of. And here in New York City right now, where you have a governor and a mayor who butt heads all the time and don't like each other very much, the MTA is used as like a cudgel between the two of them. Yeah. And it definitely, uh, you know, it's something that it's quite unbelievable to watch happen. But I want to bring up, you know, and there was this other clip that was shared of basically uh, the NYPD with their guns drawn getting onto a subway to arrest someone who apparently just jumped the turnstiles. Now, the NYPD mm-hmm. says there were reports that this guy had a gun. So they, 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 that's why they responded that way. But if you watch the video, this guy is just sitting there on the subway with his hands in his pocket. And when the police show up, he automatically raises his hands. Uh, I don't believe a gun was found on him at all. And whether or not those reports were true, their uh, their response was over the top and again unbelievable. Uh, but but I'm bringing this stuff up basically to say the protest was very reminiscent of what's going on in Chile, and the fact that it's you know it just happened just a few weeks after Chile's big uh, you know turnstile jumping uh, protest. I don't think just was coincidence. I think it was very much borrowed from Chile. And and my question is you know. And maybe it's probably one that, you know, you can't do anything more than speculate as well. But how do you know, Mm -hmm. you know, we haven't seen a big income inequality protest in this country since Occupy in 2011. Now, Mm -hmm. the the discourse around income inequality has become ingrained in our politics since then. And you could see this with the rise of, you know, someone like Bernie Sanders. Mm -hmm. But in terms of an actual grassroots income inequality protest that has taken over, like we're seeing in Chile now, yeah, we haven't seen that since 2011. Uh, do you think we're going to see more of a blowback against neoliberalism and income inequality now that in the U.S.? Yeah, and maybe even elsewhere as well. I don't know. I always, I always like you have to ask yourself the same thing for Chile. Like, why, why did it take so long for the Chileans to 
you say enough is enough. Enough is of the abuse. I think the same thing about the U.S. It's a, such a wealth, wealthy country, and there's so many poor people in this country. And it, I like it does. I mean, I have my theory. I do think that maybe your sports are a little bit long, keeps people busy. I mean, football. What is it? Two hundred fifty hours. <laughs> I mean, at least in Latin America, we have maximum two hours. Soccer, you know, we're right. in and out, right? You have baseball; it can take forever. You never know when it ends, right? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think there's a backlash? Mm. I don't know. It's a very, it's a very large country. You know, like it's just the fact you jump in turnstiles here. I don't know if it's a crime here. It's not a crime in Chile. You get a fine, but it was treated like it was a crime. But that's another story, right? right. Um, I don't know. Right. I I think that something's got to change. I mean. The kids today, what do they look forward to? You know, like this world might be ending in 25 years, right? Or even before. So they have nothing to lose, really. Right. They're never gonna, they're never like, they're never gonna get a job there and that it, you know, because of college and God knows what else, you know. Right. The, the kind of desperation, but like that's what I like with the kids in Chile. Like now, talking a lot to them, it's that they have a certain. Uh, positive outlook that they can actually change this. Right. Montserrat. Maybe they, they, <laughs> no, I I, so. no, finish that thought, please. No, but I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a hero complex maybe, but it's a good one because at least it's, it's pushing, it's pushing things forward. It has to change. It's, right. uh, it's, it's uh, unsustainable right. like this. Right. Montserrat Nicholas, Thanks. thank you so much for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. Where can people follow your work? My work? Oh, my God. Uh, well, I have a Twitter that I tweet on in Spanish. And really, <laughs> I use a lot of bad words in Spanish on my Twitter because I'm very angry the whole time. Uh, so, yeah, on Curvas Políticas. But, you know, um, that's it, pretty uh, much. I'll I look- have a blog and all that kind of stuff. But I never write anymore, really. Uh, so. Well, I linked to it yeah. in the uh, the, thank you, though. the information for this show, your Twitter account, and uh, yes. again, this was this was great. Keep the Skype app on thank your you computer so because <laughs> I would like to. You know, I think you'll. I'm pretty sure you'll be back on this show. Let's put it that way. <laughs> if you'd like to oh come back God, on, of yes, course. I would love to match. We could be talking for hours. Right. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. Have a oh, good night. My pleasure. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Uh, that was, that was, you know, I told, uh, I told uh, Montserrat before we uh, started that, you know, she asked, you know, a little bit more about, you know, what, what I usually cover on the show. I mean, she knew it was a political show. And I told her, you know, you, you know, cover everything. And, you know, focus, you know, on, on the right and how tech is ruining our our politics and you know white supremacy and, and all that fun stuff but you know my you know we were talking about um you know what i usually cover and, and she she was asking about you know certain things and you know, i wasn't expecting to go you know uh to go over an hour we were talking about what we would bring up and we talking about the hong kong protests and it was a great conversation and what we're basically bringing this up for is i specifically said to her was, you know, I'm not a Chile expert. Uh, I pay attention to foreign politics and international politics, but it's not my forte. 
So I said, you'll be taking me to school tonight. And I was certainly educated. Let's put it that way. It was uh, very interesting. And I uh, definitely want her back on the show to give us updates on this. Because if you've seen the videos and the photos, this is a, a crazy. It's crazy what's going on there. In a, in a good way, obviously. Uh, folks, let's go straight to the uh, second half of the show. The patron-only half of the show. Patreon.com slash Binder. Uh, first of all, I apologize for the, uh, delay, the cut in the feed. For listening to the podcast, you'll barely notice it. Uh, we, you know, we had to start a new YouTube, a new Periscope really quickly because there was some sort of, uh, technical issue with the, uh, with the connection. But everything's recorded. Nothing was missed. Got it all. Um, patreon.com slash mapbender. Help this show grow. As you guys know, as I've been saying for, for months now, we've been growing. But also, as you know, at the beginning of each month, when Patreon charges everyone's cards, we lose people. Whether it be people purposefully having to drop out because of financial issues, I totally get it. Please, if you cannot afford to do this, to, to, to give to this show, do not give to this show. There's other ways you can support the show that don't require you to monetarily support the show. With that being said, can't do this show also without the people who can afford to monetarily support this show. Uh, we also lose people because for some reason their 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 cards just don't don't just the payment doesn't go through with their cards and they, maybe their card expired maybe they got a new card and they didn't update their information that stuff happens. So the show has been on a uh, I don't know an upward uh, trajectory. But we are now, you know, we're down a few members than, than than the previous month. If you can afford to support this show, patreon.com slash mattbinder. Help us get back on track to reaching the goal of the show. And so I can institute the next goal. Uh, how else? Again, free ways to support this show now. YouTube.com slash mattbinder. Subscribe. Go to doomedpod.com to subscribe to the iTunes podcast, the Google Play version, uh, where however you listen to podcasts. Leave an iTunes review, a star review, or a written review. Uh, if you haven't left an iTunes review yet, please do so. It takes just a minute. Uh, really helps grow the show. Uh, another really important way to help grow the show and help out, just tell people about it. Spread the word. Um, tell your friends, your family members. And here we go. The most, and I, I don't usually bring this one up because I forget, but here's another way. Tell your favorite podcasts to have me on their show. There really isn't, I mean, I just said the previous way was no way better. This way is also no way better. <laughs> get this show on other, get me on other shows. <laughs> it's that simple. Tell your favorite podcast, hey, you should have Matt Binder on. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, if you're on the live stream right now, uh, youtube.com slash mattbinder, you can do a super chat, which is basically a one-off uh, donation, and also your 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 name goes straight up to the top of the list in terms of uh, who uh, uh, whose comment I read uh, in the second half of the show. And, uh, oh, first of all, first of all, it doesn't make any sense to say that now, but before I get to the patrons... 
I would like to dedicate this show to one specific regular listener, Renee. You all, if you're a live stream listener, you see him in the comments, very active in the stream. If you're a podcast listener, you probably have heard me mention him. Uh, he's a very, he's got a very fun personality, that Renee. Uh, I, <laughs> I call him, if you're a majority part listener, you'll get this reference. I call him the Jimmy Reefer cake of Doomed. And I don't fully mean it. It's just like he, he sort of has given himself that gimmick in the live stream chat. But I would like to say this, this show wouldn't... There would have been a show on Chile, I'm sure. Uh, but Renee really helped guide this show in terms of telling me a good suggestion being that he is in Chile himself. He's, uh, uh, he, he said, hey... Here's a few names, and I specifically endorse having on Montserrat because she is great. And so I looked into her work, and I agreed. I was like, hell yeah, you should have her on the show. Renee also sent me a certain, you know, background, things to read about to really prepare for the show. And some of it I even brought up during the podcast uh, and the stream. I'm sure Renee was listening I was able to go oh shit that's something that I you know brought up so Renee uh he he you know earlier in the week he tweeted about how other podcasts he listened to sort of discount his contributions when he sends in a chat message or an email and he jokingly said that I well I don't think he jokingly said but he said you know these are the people who do take me seriously and 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 give me credit, and he listed my name as one of them, but he said how I do sometimes take him with a grain of salt. And so I replied to him when I saw that that he would regret those words in short time, the grain of salt words. Renee, buddy, there you go. I mean, don't know what else to tell you. I value your listenership, my friend. And... The other people whose listenership I value, along with all the freebies, I especially value the patrons. And those patrons are Abigail T, Adam Q, Alan B, Andrew C, Andrew H, Angela, R.E.R., Ben, Benji, Bobby M, Brosnan, BZ, Champagne Kami, G, Christine H, Colin R, Cyber Snowstorm, Dan, Dan K, Dan M, Dan Uger, Dave K, David Z, David P, Dragon Slayer, Eugene B, Froz K, FTW All Day, Future MD, Greg D, uh, Grim, Ian Curtis J, Jameson Test, Janelle A, Jasmine H, Jeff K, Jeremy M, John B, John S, Jonathan B, Jonathan L, uh, Joseph R, Joyce M, Justin S, Katie S, Katz, Kaushal, Lisa D, Lisa H, Matt Z, uh, Max W, me, Mitch V, Michael B, Michael J, Michael M, Mr. Danks, Nicole A, Namde Net, Null Style, Odeth, Qster, Ryan left his best, Scott R, Sean H, Stephen S, Struggle Session, TM, Tamni G, Thaddeus A, Tina M, Todd K, Tom G, Tom M, 
Why That Thai Guy, Will P, Utopian, Zach P, Zarin, and Zoe. And I'd like to just mention that Zoe said she's listening to tonight's show as part of her homework for class because tomorrow she's got to go in and tell her class about Chile. And boom, bada bing, perfect timing for this show. Zoe, I hope you get an A-plus now for your project. Oh, looks like we just got another... We got a, we got a last-minute... Uh, uh, patron subscriber, but... I don't know if I'm able to find you in this... Uh, this slew of people who... Um, Oh, wait. George A. Found you, buddy. Thank you for joining just in the nick of time. You get a shout-out. I gave you a shout-out, and I didn't even get your money yet, buddy. So there you go. I support you for uh, just declaring you're going to give me money come next month. Uh, Folks, see you all. uh, Stick around for the uh, patron half if you're a patron or you're on the live stream. Otherwise, see you all next time on Doom. Yeah.